0: Good evening everyone, thanks for coming As last week um, I'm a little uh, All over the place A little scattered, very busy But I Mamesh the same like last week I just got off the plane And I came here with a brief stop at home I came straight from the airport Um, I made a very, very, very um, Quick Trip into New York I left yesterday 3 o'clock in the afternoon no, I left 5 o'clock in the afternoon in L.A., and I'm back already. Um, my purpose of the trip and right now was to complete our Sefer Torah <clears throat> and absorbing all the light that it possibly can and all the potency and all the blessings from all the tzaddikim. So today I flew in. The Sefer- I left the Sefer Torah last week in New York, and um, I went in last night. I spent uh, three, two, three hours at the Ohel of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Maybe like three hours Um, Very special Hashem granted me the opportunity To be there alone There was only someone there for 15 minutes When I walked in and then he left And I said I'm going to say Tehillim And I was very tired And I said I'm going to say Tehillim But I really would like to say the whole Tehillim But then I said "But I don't know if I'm going to to manage that Then I I got this, this stubbornness in me That said as long as I'm not kicked out of here I'm staying and what's going to be my sim? if someone else walks in, that means I have to leave. No one walked in, and I said the entire Tehillim. Now there's a full moon, and all you have is birds chirping and saying Tehillim. So that was very, very, very powerful. And early, and then I, you know, with Sadiqim, with you never know. So a few weeks ago, when I planned the trip, a friend of mine called the man in charge of the Lubavitch Rebbe's private study, and um, asked him if we can have permission to write letters in the Rebbe's room. We have to open up the room for us, and uh, the guy said, "Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll let you in. Just call me a week before I let you in." Okay. This Friday, I give him a call, and I say, "You know, we spoke. That uh, I'm planning to come on Sunday. We're going to write letters because I thought of doing it Sunday night. We're going to write letters in there." Uh, say, you know, elderly Russian yid starts yelling at me. What? new thing, you're starting new hugging, boop, boop, boop. You got, no way, I'm not opening it up. I said, you just told us that you're going to open it up. I don't know what I said, but I'm not doing it. So I called my friend, Rabbi Astulin, who had arranged it in the first place. I said, you call him. I'm not going to argue with an elderly Russian Jew. Forget about it. There's no way I'm going to win this argument. There's, I'm not going anywhere with him. Forget it. So he called them and he says, uh, he called me back a half an hour and said, I don't know what's going on, but he changed his mind. He's not letting me and everything. So we decided we're just going to go to the Chathila Rebbe We're not going to wait huh? we're, going to, we're going to jump ahead And try it anyways And we, he told me, you know, worse comes to worse We're going to go in Monday morning Mondays and Thursdays to open up the Rebbe's room For a minion to, lay, to read To daven and, and read there So I said, Let's, we're going to go in then, and then we'll, Once we're in already, we'll already Worse comes to worse, if they tell us we can't write, We'll write it downstairs in 770 in the big Show. So that was my plan That's what we did So I came to, But last night when I was by the oil I davened that the Rebbe should open up the doors for us in his room. I said, "Listen, you gave me permission to be two, two, three weeks ago. You can't come and <laughs> close the doors now." In any case, uh, the Rebbe was very kind to us, and he let us in. And we wrote letters today in the morning. After davening, the letter Moshe, the words Moshe, the three letters Mem Shin he, from the word Moshe. And one Yud from the word Avdacha, Moshe Avdi, Avdacha. That's what we wrote in the Rebbe's room. And that completed the journey of all the tzaddikim that the Sefer Torah went through. Um, my family personally comes from Rav Shetzir, Chassidim. Last night my father had this Stachina Rebbe, who's a descendant, very, 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 very special man, a real holy Jew. Um, So he came to my father's house. He had the sefer Torah there and he wrote a letter in as well. So we have the Rupshitz dynasty connected to it as well and all the other tzaddikim that I elaborated on last week. And today the sefer Torah came to L.A. It's here. It's here now. Um, Hopefully with all of its blessings and all of its light. Tomorrow its very special crown is coming from the Holy Land. And B'Aziz Hashem on Wednesday we're all excited for this really, really, really blessing-loaded Sefer Torah to make its way through the streets of Los Angeles to its home over here in Mayan. And hopefully that's only the second to the last leg of the journey. After this, from Mayan Yisrael, with all the Yidin on the West Coast, bringing us to Yerushalayim, to the Beis HaMikdash Hashlishi. May we merit to dance with the Holy Balshem Tov, with Moshiach Kainum and the third Beis HaMikdash with this very special Torah. Um, so, I'd like to des- dedicate tonight's class. No one, I uh, didn't even have a chance to look for a sponsor. So, if anybody would like to be a sponsor of the class, retroactively, you can do so. If you're listening to this year, anytime this week, uh, you can claim the merit of this special class or the CD. I don't know if we'll produce a CD. It's, things are very, very hectic now as a preparation for the Achnosa Sefer We'll see how that will go. However, um, the class tonight, is um, going to be dedicated not to the Parsha, uh, unless I I, I... I do have a connection, but I don't know if I'll get to it. Instead, we're going to speak about the significance of a sefer Torah, of writing a sefer Torah. What does it mean? What does it stand for? Um, that's the the Parsha. It's called the Parsha in my life. This is the Parsha that I'm in right now. My entire being is in this. So I'd like to share some phenomenal ideas about the significance of writing the Torah and uh, the blessing and the powerful spiritual power that it has. It's a synopsis of something that we learned on Thursday night, as we studied over here a discourse called LaHavin Inyan Ksiva Sefer and tonight I'm going to do a summary on that discourse. Okay, so we know it's a mitzvah to write a Torah. It's a mitzvah to write a Torah. And um, every Jew is supposed to write a Torah. Uh, a king of the Jewish people, um, in our case, the upcoming, hopefully, in any, any, any moment, Melach HaMashiach, King Mashiach, is also going to have his special mitzvah of writing an additional Torah. Besides the regular Torah that every Jew has to have one Sefer Torah written for him, Mashiach, I mean, a king has an obligation to have a second Torah in which he walks and he comes wherever he goes with it. So what is the significance in general of writing a sefer Torah, and particularly an extra key of an extra obligation for a Jewish king to have a sefer Torah written for him? Um, The Tzamech Tzedek, third Chabad Rebbe, explains the significance of writing a sefer Torah related to um, something else in the Torah that it says that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote. Now we know that the first Sefer Torah was written by Moshe Rabbeinu. And it was written right before his passing. Moshe passed away on Shabbos. Afternoon, Mincha time, on Zayi and Adar. And Erev Shabbos, on Friday, um, after midday, right before Shabbos comes, Moshe completed, that's what it says, Moshe Rabbeinu completed um, his Sefet, the first Sefer Torah. So, um, Tzemach Tzedek says that the significance of writing a Sefer Torah of every Sefer Torah that's written will be understood from something that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote in addition, in addition to Moshe Rabbeinu writing the Sefer Torah it says that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down the travels of the Jewish people the Jewish people traveled in the desert for 42, 42 journeys 42 encampments it's discussed in the last parsha in the book of numbers in sefer bamidbar so over there there is a parsha called the last parsha parsha masse parsha of journeys discussing 42 journeys and as the holy bal who we torah is dedicated to explains that the 42 journeys of the of the jewish people when they went out of egypt is also um, Represents forty-two journeys that the Jewish people, as a whole, have to do in all of history. We, the Jewish people, from when we, be, we from Avram Avinu until the coming of Mashiach, there is also a journey of 42, 42 encampments. I'm not sure the Baal Shem Tov says that. That is spoken in many svarim. But what the Baal Shem Tov does say is that every single Jew, every single Jew, has their own forty-two journeys in which they journey through their life in whichever part in your life, when the Baal Shem Tov was going to Eretz Yisrael, um, or when a student, the toldess Yaakov Yosef, I'm not exactly sure, but when uh, he was asked in heaven to be shown, or he asked to be shown where he's holding, and the, his teacher, Achia, Shilayni, said to him that this idea that every person goes through 42 journeys, and he said, let me show you in which camp, which journey you're holding right now, when he was going to Israel. So we all have our 42 journeys. And over there, in the end of Amidbar, the Torah lists all the journeys of the Jewish people going out of Egypt. And it's an interesting passage, and it says that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down, Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote down um, all the, the, the Masais, all the journeys that the Jewish people did. And the passage says, Moshe. Moshe, Rabbeinu wrote, Es their their moitsa means their origination point, the point from where they left, limaseyem to their journeys, ve'e'lema and these are their journeys, l'moitzeyem to their origination point. Okay? Which means that there is, Moshe Rabbeinu was writing down, and every journey, there is the your lo- like when you, when you put something in a GPS, there is your location, and then there is destination where you're going. So the your location is the moitez am where you're coming out from. Maseim is the place you're journeying to. Okay, so it says the pasuk says Moshe Rabbeinu wrote as moitez am their 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 location their origin point to Li to the place that they journeyed. For example, it says vayisu. They traveled from Ramses, and they traveled Vayachno, and they camped in a place called Sukais. So the Moitze'em is Ramses, because that's where they're leaving from, and the Masayim is where are they journeying to, to the place called Sukais, And so, in all the other journeys, they went from here, and they went till there. Okay. But then it says, the Eile maseem and these are their journeys, the to their origination point which is okay now the pasic is going to say what are their journeys but what's unique and really special is that the pasic is saying and these are their origins limayem to their journeys i'm sorry the and these are their journeys lemayem to their location which to their um, to their origination point which is strange because this is a reversed order. Initially, in the pasuk, it says these are their. This is the origin point of origin. to their journey, but then it says ve'ele. And I'm sorry, it doesn't say these are. It says Moshe Rabbeinu wrote their, or their 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 or their original point. to their journeys. That makes sense because you're leaving from your or from a certain location and you're going to a journey. But then when the Pasuk begins to describe them, it says the opposite. The and these are Maseem, their journeys, lomoytze am to their origination point. That's the reverse. They're not journeying to their origin, that's, that's going backwards. That would be a journey back from the promised land, Chas back to Egypt. So what's going on? And why does the Pasuk just say the same thing and it speaks about it first... When Moshe is writing, it says he's writing their to their journey. But when it says, "The and these are, it says, their journeys, to their origination point. So um, what, is, what is this all about? What's going on here? And the idea is as follows: Fascinating idea. You see, the mentioned from the Bolshemev that we're all our lives are a journey. The destination is the promised land. Promised land, whether it means for all of us together to come with Mashiach Tzedkenu in the third base Amikdash, whether it means every neshama reaching its destination and coming to its place in Eretz Achayim, in the land of life, which is the world to come. Whatever it is, everybody's journey, but it's to that magnificent, ultimate end destination, total unification with God. When we realize our purpose for what we were, what we were, what we journeyed for in the first place. What's our journey? Our journey begins with birth. The Baal Shem Tov says that the first journey is from the land of Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim means constriction. When we're born, we're coming out of the constrictions of the womb, and as the baby is born, that's when we're leaving Mitzrayim, leaving these constrictions, and we're on a long journey. Where are we journeying through? A vast wilderness, like the Jewish people went through a wilderness. And the wilderness has all of its trials and tribulations. At times there were no water, at times there were snakes and scorpions, at times there were enemies, amalek, and and, and sins, and setbacks, and frustrations, and who knows what, and doubts, and questions. That's our life. And then there are these incredible moments. Moments of divine revelation. Moments of Shirah, of, of shirav, singing, singing by the sea. Moments of Har Sinai. Moments of Shabbos or all the other amazing beautiful moments of establishing the Mishkan and God coming to dwell amongst the Jewish people so all these all these things we see in our lives we have these very dark difficult challenging moments where we feel abandoned when we look around we don't see a Moshe Rabbeinu we don't see anything we felt what we're lost we're stuck we we feel uh, like neglected we don't know where to turn to and there's all kinds of threatening things in our lives that's part of the journey that the people, that's meant to be that way. But in addition to that, we have these beautiful moments moments of inspiration, moments of the high, high moments of our lives. Up and down and around the bend and around. This is our journey, each and every one of us. Life, the Neshama coming down in a body is Eile Masai B'nai Yisrael. These are the journeys of every single one, because every Jew is an entire Jewish people. Every year, there's, there's some totality. Of the Jewish people, your life is infinitely meaningful, infinitely important. It contains the 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 entire. It has within it the 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 entire um, um, aspirations of all of Israel and all of the Jewish people. And this is our journey. Now, um, the journey into the world is a very, very, very great descent, because before our neshama came down, before it was in the womb. Before our neshama came down, when our neshama was in a place called the Oitzar it was in a place called the treasure of souls. Over there, the neshama is in an extremely, extremely lofty high place. And it's ba- basking in God's light. It's Nahanan and mezivah it's enjoying the radiance of God. It's perceiving Hashem. It's reveling in Hashem's beauty, and Hashem's light. It's singing to God, the soul is such and such a... Elevated state. There's no distractions. There's no negative thoughts. It's able to concentrate on Hashem and on His light and on Hashem's beauty and a connection. It's unbelievable. It's in a state of dveikos. From there the neshama comes down in a body. A body is made out of flesh and bones. And it's so earthy and so concealing and so ups. Obscuring and so blocking and so distracting, and so caught up with all kinds of ridiculously silly silliness and and, and and you say stupidity that we get stuck in our lives. So, in the words of the Gemara, this is called a falling down, the rama from a very high roof, labira amiktan to a deep pit. Why did God do this to the soul? Why did the Abishur send our soul down? into such a dungeon for it to wallow in misery for its period of time that it's here in this world, even though we don't realize. Because to us, we can be living a beautiful life, we can be having all the pleasures and delights. Baruch Hashem, if God is kind to us, and when God is, God is always kind to us. Sometimes the kindness is in a very open, revealed way, and where we don't have any problems in life, and it's smooth sailing, physically at least, materially. And we're living a good life, no complaints. You know? So it's good. And Allah should be so for all the Jewish people. But deep inside, the neshama is in pain. The soul is aching, because it's not experiencing the vivid connection that it had to Hashem, like it was. Even if I do learn and study Torah, I don't feel Hashem. You don't see God. You're in a state of concealment. This is extremely, extremely painful for the soul. The soul is withering in pain in this darkness. Why did the Eberster do this? To a piece of himself. To, to a piece of mal, uh, that beautiful Nishama. And the answer is, we know, you read the Tzaira Chaliyah, that the descent is for the sake of an ascent. Which eventually, as a result of the soul coming down into this world, and weathering all the storms, and ultimately coming out intact on the other side, not only that, but amassing the treasures of the hidden sparks of holiness. That are embedded in the darkest place in this physical world by extracting them, by using physicality to serve God and do a mitzvah. So, even though while we're going through it, we don't see the depth and the deep connection, like the chazal say, one hour, in repentance and good deeds in this world is more beautiful and more meaningful and greater than Mikal Chay'a'ilam above from all the world to come. All the bliss of the soul in heaven. Because only in the life down here, in the Torah and mitzvahs we do, in this very, very dark environment, do we bond and we connect with God's essence. Not the God's light, but Hashem's very, very essence. And we, not only that, we're able to do something for Hashem. When we're in heaven, we're just recipients. We are enjoying God's benevolence. We are delighting in the pleasure of the divine rays. But that's us. We can't give something to our Creator. But there is a burning desire. There is a deep, powerful, burning, burning desire in the essence of God. That God has a nesava, the Abishta has a taiva. God has a longing, He has a desire. And what does He want? He wants to have a dwelling place in this dark world. He wants us to break all the kalippus. He wants us to smash all the darkness that's covering up on our hearts and our minds and in the world around us. And to illuminate this darkest, darkest space with godly light and with godly infusion when we learn Torah and we do a mitzvah in this world and when we share light with other people. That gives God a thrill. And when we accomplish that, the neshama is thereby elevated to a much higher place than the neshama was prior to the neshama's descent down to this world. So the, the idea is, you read the Chaliyah. The descent is for the sake of an ascent. The question, however, is a simple question. What is going to assure that the soul coming down into this world and going through all the difficulties and hardships which throw curveball after curveball, problem after problem, difficulty after difficulty, temptation after temptation, persuasion after persuasion, doubts, questions, amunah problems, who knows what, all that we go through, all we go through. How do we know the nisham is going to be successful in a journey? How do we know the nisham is not going to be crushed under, the heaven, under this heavy, heavy, I don't know, a hundred ton, a uh, pile of, of of bricks that are on the soul and that are constantly hitting the soul from all corn from all sides. So the question is how do we know the Nishama is going to survive and not and not God forbid lose itself and fall and be destroyed in all this klipa and all this difficulty. For that we need to have a special empowerment. We need to have a special empowerment to be able to make it through. The empowerment that helps the Jewish people withstand all the difficulties are the super, super nishamas. the to plants and the generations. The tzaddikim. That's why it's so special. That's why I'm so excited about the Sefer Torah that is connected to the tzaddikim. It's connected to all the tzaddikim of all the generations. So it's got the power. This is the survival of the Jewish people. And the root essence, the root essence of that survival Ability is from Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was called Re'a Mehemna, the faithful shepherd. And as we spoke a few times in the class this this year, in the earlier shiurim, that the faithful shepherd doesn't only mean that he takes care of every sheep, he watches over every single neshama. But in addition to that, it means that he nurtures the Jewish people with faith. He gives us the emuna, continuously infusing with us emuna and emuna. Because without emuna, we couldn't st- we couldn't we couldn't survive. Moshe gives us the emuna. Which Moshe? So of course it's Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama. But Moshe Rabbeinu was empowering the people in his generation. How about in the later generations? So the Zohar says, "Is pashtusa the Moshe b'chol the artzadikim that they have within their souls." Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama, it says specifically, that Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, we're celebrating Bomer. Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, was the neshama of Moshe Rabbeinu. He had that in him. And you see, Rav Shimon Bar Yochai gave us the Zohar, which without the Zohar, without these esoteric deeper secrets, we would not have survived as Jews today, one thousand percent. It's only because of that connection, to that higher, higher, deeper light that Rabbi Shem Ba Yochai revealed. Why? Because he's Moshe Rabbeinu. And learning the Zohar illuminates your soul. Or learning teachings based on the Zohar coming through Kabbalah, and particularly in the last 250 years, the Baal Shem Tov and his students, Chasidis, this is empowering the Jewish people. And these are the Moshe Rabbeinu Nishamas that are here, that strengthen us and give us the power to endure and not only that, but to, um, but to come out on top of everything and transform, not only not be broken by the darkness, but to transform the darkness into light. Now, what particularly does Moshe Rabbeinu do? And here is the most beautiful thing: Moshe Rabbeinu is not giving you his power to survive, because everybody knows that if someone wins a race, if you're going on a on a on a, um, if you're on a marathon, and you win the race on someone else's battery, then you can't take credit for it. It's not yours. So, as great as it is, that like, okay, we won, we survived, but it was Moshe Rabbeinu really that did it, and not us. So what's what's the point of that? That's not. We could. It's like in the end, it's like you guys are a bunch of losers. You would have been, you would have, you would have fell down and been destroyed by mile marker number one. The fact that you made it through all these forty-two journeys and intact—that that wasn't you. That's Moshe Rabbeinu. So then, what's the point? And the answer is Moshe Rabbeinu is not giving you his strength to make it through. What Moshe Rabbeinu is do is doing is opening you up to the deepest point of your own neshama. Moshe Rabbeinu is unearthing the potential of your neshama, of our souls. Moshe Rabbeinu digs in deep, deep, deep into the core of every Jewish soul. And he reveals the spark that is one with God, as the Arizal says that in every Jewish neshama there is Yechidah BeNefesh. Why is it called Yechidah? Yechidah means because it's Mekabel from Yechid. Yechidah is the feminine of oneness because it's receiving from yachid. So the Arizal says it like this, there is a nitzutz Nivra, there is a spark of a creation, deep inside our soul, that facilitates inside of it nitzutz boireh, a spark of God himself. And just like, and and we all understand, that God is undefeatable, God is unbreakable, and and therefore God is the ultimate endurance, so when we reveal the point of the divine, of Hashem, within our nishamis, so then we could withstand everything and overcome every challenge and eventually come out the victorious one. Realizing and reaching, as we say, in the end of the 42 journeys, Yarden Yirechoy, which is the revelation of Mashiach, because Mereach, smell, fragrance, is Mashiach Tzedkenu, who is going to be gifted with the scent of, with the scent of smell. So this is all the empowerment. So Moshe Rabbeinu is not giving us his koiches. Moshe Rabbeinu is opening up our koach, the power part of our neshama that is not in the exile. See, only the more external parts of our soul get darkened, become influenced, become, um, get gets swept up with the, with the time and space, with all the occurrences. But there is a place in us that doesn't change. It has one thing. It's bonded up with God, and it cannot change. God doesn't change. Just like God doesn't change, the deepest point of our soul doesn't change. It is one with Hashem. It does not have wear and tear. It doesn't erode. It remains perfectly, perfectly, perfectly attached. Problem is that that part of our Neshama is so deep, 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 deep. deep completely, completely disconnected from our consciousness and from our reality. That's where Moshe Rabbeinu comes. Moshe Rabbeinu comes to open us up to the deepest part of our Nishama, that it should illuminate to the part of the soul that's within the body, that's going through the dark ship. Meaning Moshe Rabbeinu is the one who opens up a channel of communication between our soul heaven, our soul that's in heaven, the part of a neshama that's still up there, one with God, and the part of the neshama that's in our body. Moshe Rabbeinu gives you the Wi-Fi code to connect your soul wherever you have. You have a Wi-Fi signal. You're connected. And that's the meaning of Vayich Tov Moshe, that Tzadik says. He brings it from Shnir Zalman of Liadi, of his grandfather, of a discourse in Parsha Smasi. Vayich toiv Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu is the tzadik. Moshe Rabbeinu is Moshe Raya As we said earlier, he comes through in every generation. And the tzaddik hador, and the tzaddik of the generation. whose his avoidant is to open up the Jewish souls and to connect them. And what does Moshe Rabbeinu do? He writes. What's writing? What does writing do? Writing takes hidden things and puts it down in a way that's documented and revealed and lasting and open. Anybody can read it. Think about it. There are so many ideas, so many inspirations, so much uh, uh, incredible creativity that people came up with throughout all the generations, but they didn't write it down. It remained in their thoughts. It remained in their, in, their, in, their, in their creative minds. But they didn't put pen to paper. And what happens? It's gone. It's not real in this world. It remains in heaven. It remains in the clouds. But when you wrote something down, it lasts through the generations. Why is it that when the printing press, the age of the Enlightenment, when the world moved forward at unbelievable speeds in terms of its development, that came as a result of the printing press. Because when you write something, you bring it down in words, you give it a certain concrete reality down here below. So, V'yich Moshe, Moshe Rabin writes, Es am Your moitze. Moitze means where your neshama comes from. Moitze pi Hashem, From the innermost of God's mouth, from the innermost of God's essence. Moshe Rabbeinu writes, Es am the place where the neshama originates. Limas'eyem, to your journeys. That means in any place where you are, wherever it is that you are, Moshe Rabbeinu gets you connected, that Wi-Fi connection you can communicate and get signals from your essence of your soul. So you did not get chas v'sholem, blown away by the powerful winds and by the powerful storms. The soul does not drown in, the, in, the, in, in, in these very, very difficult challenges. Moshe always enables you to uncover your emuna, your faith that it will be good. And, I, and I, no matter what I'm going through in my life, I'm still connected to the Ebishtir, and God loves me with an infinite love. And there's a purpose to this madness. Moshe Rabbeinu gives you the strength and the ability to feel that. Why? Because He's connecting you to the point of you that's connected. am lim ma'se'em, same as anywhere you are in the journey. And today's days, you know, they're making Wi Fi just on the plane. So, in the moment, you get Wi Fi on the plane, go, go, whatever it's called, put it in there, and then you can get your Wi Fi. No matter where you are, whether you're in the clouds, whether you're in the deep dungeon, in a deep tunnel, there is an access code. Moshe will reach the Jewish people, no matter where they are. Okay. Once we have the empowerment of Moshe Rabbeinu, what happens next? The And these are the journeys. Where do we journey to? As we make our way through our life, learning Torah, Doing mitzvahs, grabbing every opportunity that we can to be a yid and to do what Hashem wants and to illuminate our environment and to bring another Jew closer to get another yid to do a mitzvah. Whatever it is that we're doing, where are we journeying to? We're journeying to back to our source. The journey is our neshama comes down from a very, very lofty place connected to God. The neshama comes down, limaseyem, to the journeys. But now the purpose of the journey, what did we say earlier? The purpose of the journey is le- that we should go back to a union with God, but this time much deeper and much higher than where the neshama was before it began its journey down. As we said earlier that before the neshama was, came down in this world, it was connected only to the radiance of God, but not to the Abishter himself. The Zohar says, as a result of the Torah and the mitzvahs that we do, in this physical world, Bedafka, our neshama becomes unified, our soul becomes unified with our soul becomes absorbed in the body of the king. Not the king's rays, but the king's essence. And that's the meaning. Once Moshe Rabbeinu wrote, Moitze'em, lemase'em, to your journeys. Now, the ve'elem, mase'em. And these are your journeys, to where you come from. Deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into God Himself as as we make our way back in in this journey. Like the story of salmon. Salmon are born, and they go out into the ocean. But there comes a point where they have to go back to where the place where they were born. And they're swimming up river. And everybody wonders, how does the salmon know exactly the place, the little brook, the little river that they came from? But they know somehow God put in an internal GPS into these salmon that they can make their way upstream. They fight. That's a muscle for the soul. As it's fighting its way back, and Moshe Rabbeinu's GPS signal takes the soul back. To wear it, to where it, and really, it's our own connection to our own neshama. That's the idea of Moshe Rabbeinu writing the Journeys. So the Tzemach Tzedek says, that's the idea of writing the Torah by writing the Torah. So this is, of course, the idea of Moshe Rabbeinu writing the Torah. When Moshe Rabbeinu writes the Torah, what is the Torah made out of? Who is the Torah? Is he the letters of the Torah? The letters of the Torah are one with God. It says, Kol haTorah Shalakadish <laughs> Baruch. All of the Torah are the deepest name of God. It's interesting. We know that there are seven names of God that are are unpronounceable. But those are Hashem's kind of nicknames. Those are the more names that He has. But His deepest, deepest inner personal name, that's the entire Torah. The entire Torah is Hashem's name. When you're reading a story, you're reading Hashem's. It's Hashem's essence. That's the Torah. But what else is the Torah? So we know from... I think it's from the Megalah Mukais who says that the name Yisrael Yisrael is Yesh, Shishim, Reboy, Oisius, the Torah there are 600,000 letters to the Torah The 600,000 letters of the Torah are the 600,000 root souls even though in tr- if you count the letters of the Torah you're only going to find 310 I think something like that Three 300- hundred. 300,000 I don't know exactly But it's, it's, it's a little over 300,000 letters So where are there the rest Of the other um, Other six other close to 300,000 It's explained in um, In different answers I'll get into that Where you make it up But there are 600,000 letters And when I was busy Now I was busy writing letters By the Tzaddikim So uh, the sofa showed me That if you look inside I think A pay Look in the Sefer Torah. Inside a pay, the white, the, the black is a pay, and the white is a perfect base. Exact base. So it's, when, you, you, see, when we read, we're only reading the black letters, but we're not reading the white letters. There's so much there that we're not seeing in the Torah. So there are 600,000 letters. And who are the 600,000 letters of the Torah? That's us. So Yisroel, the Torah is God, the Torah is the Jewish souls. The souls and Hashem and the Torah are all bound up in one. Especially in our special Tzaufe Torah that we wrote now. In honoring the Balshemtov, whose name is Yisrael, who's, who is the root essence soul of the Jewish people, who empowers the Jewish people to discover how they're rooted in the Torah. That was the Baal Shem Tov all about, to show how every simple Jew, that was the beauty of the Baal Shem Tov, he showed that even someone who's not a big Scot, he, he took care of every single person, even someone. Every single Jew is infinitely precious because every single Jew is a letter in the Torah. And if one letter is a little scratched, you have no Torah. One of the great students of the Bol Shem Tov, his name was Reb Wolf Kitzis. Wolf Kitzis, he actually is buried right next to the Bol Shem Tov. So he was once collecting money to... Saved Jews from jail. Jews were in, in, in who were, who were these people he tried to take out of jail? They were criminals. They were thieves. And he was walking around trying to raise the money. He needs to give, put up bail to let these Jews out of jail. And a thought occurred to him, I'm going over here in the sweltering heat. I'm freezing cold or cold freezing. I'm going, I'm getting frostbitten. I'm not davening. I'm not learning. I'm not, I'm able to serve. And what am I doing? To help who? Thieves! Thieves? That's what I have to be busy. For these thieves, I have to, I have to go through such hardship to help. Them. And that was his thought. But then he said to himself, he says, but I don't, you're looking, you're saying these Jews are thieves and you're not a thief. And I'm not a thief, I'm also a thief, Reb Wolf said to himself. I'm also a thief. I steal, what do I steal? I steal my wife's challah and I give it to the poor people maybe his wife was not so happy with him giving challah to the poor and he would steal challahs and he would give it to the poor I'm also a god so what makes me better than them that was his thought okay so he was able to push away his doubts but then the voice came to him and again he said how can you compare they're stealing for selfish reasons for themselves you're stealing for the poor so you have a good reason to steal they, they're stealing for whatever so, you can't, so it's not, you can't compare. So then he, so then he thinks, yeah, where Tzadik's mind works. So he says, no. He says, they're, they're stealing also because they have to feed their poor wives and children. They don't have any money. And if they would be able to make an honest living a different way, they would do so. They can't. Circumstances were so difficult in those days in the Ukraine. Some people just... And they, they, so they, they had to uh, work in ways that were not legal to support their families so their thievery is also for a good reason it's also selfless it's not for their own selfish means. they have to take care of their poor families that they have to, be to so there's no difference suddenly it starts raining and it's pouring and it's pouring and Reb Wolf has his tefillin with him and the tefillin got soaked and and he realized that his tefillin became pussel or it was look, it was ready to get somehow maybe it was cracked and some water was getting in and he he's and now he's really getting frustrated. It's one thing that he's getting hot and cold. But now his tefillin is being ruined. His tefillin. For who? For thieves. So now, already the voice came back and he said, Come on, this is, you're going to make your tefillin puzzle for ganavim, for thieves. And then the thought came to him and said, This is my tefillin that is being puzzled. But the Gemara says that God puts on tefillin. And what does it say in God's tefillin? Mikamcha Yisrael, who is like the Jewish people. That means the Jewish people are God's tefillin. So if my tefillin gets a little ink erased, then my tefillin apostles. If a Jew is is rotting in jail and his life is being erased by pain and misery, there is a scratch in God's tefillin. So whose tefillin is more important, my tefillin or the eibishtest tefillin? I'd rather have my tefillin and a thousand pairs of tefillin ruined than have one Jew be hurt and have the eibishtest tefillin be possible. This can only come from a student of our master and teacher, the holy Balsham. Without that training and teaching of the soul that revealed how infinitely precious Yidden are the Abister and the Abister are the Jewish people, every single one, even a thief. That's our Balsham. That's Yisro. Yashishim riboy So when we write a Torah, we're writing, we're writing, we're writing we're revealing we're drawing down the essence of jewish souls and we're empowering every single jew with the power of ani hashem lo ishanisi, that the jew should not wear and tear that the jew should not become broken that the jew should not become destroyed that the jew should be able to make it through every challenge and difficulty this is the empowerment that we get by writing a Sefer Torah. Kabbalistically, he goes on to explain, just very because we don't have time, that the, the this Giloy, this Indian, that Moshe, what do we know about Moshe Rabbeinu? Because essentially, who's the one who writes the first Sefer Torah? And he empowers every Sefer Torah to be written with that power of Moshe Rabbeinu. When Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, Moshe MS, the Torah say MS. Moshe's MS. Moshe's truth. And the real Indian of truth means something that doesn't change. Something that changes is a sign that even when it was, it wasn't really true. Of course, there's something called blatant lies. But, that's not what, but something that's not a blatant lie doesn't mean it's true. A true thing means, how do you know if something is really true? You've acquired something truthfully. If it's something that you're able to hold on to and it doesn't, you don't... Um, just do it for a week or two And then it goes back If it's true If you're truly impacted by something It lasts So the Gemara says that um, A river that dries up Once in seven years Is called a deceptive re- a river it's a, de- it's, a, it's a deceiving river Why? Because if it doesn't last for seven years If once in seven years it dries up It means it's not a true river Because something that's truth Is permanent So Moshe is permanent Forever, and Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's why he's M's truth. Moshe, now, Moshe Rabbeinu, by writing a Torah, is Megala Torah, is Torah's M's. Moshe Rabbeinu is reveals the M's of every single yid, of every single nesham, of its true bond with the with the essence of God that doesn't change. There are, in the thirteen attributes that there are. The Yudgim So the 13 attributes, um, the seventh attribute is the attribute of the MS. Moshe Rabbeinu revealed the 13 attributes. It says, Hashem, Hashem, Kel V'Chanon. Bachan. Kabbalists have an argument where exactly do you start counting the 13 attributes? Um, but um, according to one opinion, the count begins with kale. You know, Hashem Hashem is not counted as Two of the Midas. That's an introduction to the Midas. Kale is the first one. Rachum, V'chanon. Erech, Apayim is two, even though it sounds like one. Erech, Apayim. V'rav, Chesed is one, six, V'emes. Emes is the Tikkun HaShvi'i. So the Zoyar says, the Tikkun hashvi is Emes. So the Zoyar says that the Tikkun hashvi is a very, very powerful Tikkun. From the, from the 13 Tikkunim, the Zohar calls them ornaments, because these are the ornaments of God. So the, the, the seventh ornament, which is the Tikkun Hashvi, is the Tikkun of the Emes. So for those a little familiar with the Kabbalistic concept, we know that the 13 attributes of mercy are connected to God's beard. His beard. The, the Zohar, all over, it discusses how the 13 attributes of mercy is the, 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 the yukn, the, the Tikkun, that's the beard. And um, and the and the but the Zohar says that the tikkun of the MS is also on the face, but it's by the cheeks where there is no facial hair. The MS is by the cheekbones, where the, that's where the tikkun of MS comes out. The other tikkunim are around the part where the beard is, and the hair of the beard, but not tikkun of the MS. So it's okay because it's, this week is Lot Boomer, so it's okay if we get a little mystical and we talk a little bit Kabbalah over here in Chassidus. So the idea is as follows. What's the idea? What's the difference between that which is coming through the beard and the cheek where there is no beard? And the idea is as follows. Why would we associate the 13 attributes of mercy which are so high and so powerful? Why would we associate it with a beard? So we had discussed this in earlier Shiurim in the past. That here represents a very minute, minute, minute channel of life, because here are alive, here grow. As long as the hair is attached to the person, it grows. But the amount of energy and the life force that's flowing in the hair is tiny, 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 minuscule, 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 a little tiny bit. And therefore, Dafka the Zohar uses allegorif, allegorically. Anthropomorphically, the idea that the 13 attributes are a beard. Why? Since the 13 attributes of mercy is the levels of the divine that are infinitely, infinitely above the creation. And let's understand something. When we say thirteen, the 13 attributes of mercy, in Kabbalah and the Hasidists, we usually refer to them as, that's where you get atonement for all your sins. You see, an Elul, in Yom Kippur, we keep on calling out. Why? Because the yudgemu midas arrachim, hear these words, the memale They fill all blemishes. Now, in order for something to be filling the blemishes, we need to understand what does that mean? What's blemishes? See, when a yid, since every Jew is so holy and so plugged into Hashem, our actions have powerful repercussions. The deeds that we do, the good deeds, bring a lot of bracha into the world. They bring a lot of blessing into the world. The negative things we do cause damage in ourselves, in our neshama, and since our souls are plugged into God, it causes a damage in the divine attributes, in the channels of godly light to the world. We cause chas v'shalem, a pagam above, And that's why it's very serious business when chas we do a sin. How do we gain atonement? We gain atonement by reaching the level of Hashem that transcends those channels. In the channels, there can be a blemish. There can be a, a, a pipe can get rusty. There can be a puncture, a puncture in the pipe and the water is leaking or the like. But that's only in the channels. But then there is the godliness that's above the channels, the infinite light which is not where where Hashem is removed from the world. He's above the days of the world, above, higher than being impacted by the occurrences down here. From that place, if we can only reach that light, that transcendental light, and draw that down into the world, we can refresh, replenish, reboot the system, and clean out all the kalippah and all the damage, and reset the whole system like it was before the damage happened. So we have to get to the transcendental light. That's what the 13 attributes of mercy are. They're much higher than the 10 sefirot. The 10 sefirot are the regular channels, which are channels which are impacted in good and bad. Through mitzvahs, a lot of, we make Yehudim, we make unifications between the spheres. We bring Hashem's light down into the world through them, Gewalding. Through Averis, Chas V'Shalom, as we say in Krishma Shalamita those who say Krishma Shalom if I made a Pagam in the Yud of God's name, if I made a Pagam in the Hay, the Yud Kei which are the ten spheres, these, these elements can, can get damaged, Chas fasholim, as a result of our negativity, of our sins. So where do we go in order to fix it? We have to go, like we say on Yom Kippur, me Hashem. We have to go higher than the Yud Kei We have to go to the Ain Sof, higher than the Yud Kei A place that cannot be contaminated, a place that cannot be destroyed. And that's why it's referred to with the, the Shel Yud. On the top of the Yud there's a little thorn pointing up. That's the infinite light. That's where we go to, to draw down new light that is not impacted. The problem, however, is... If this light is not contracted yet to the world, if it's infinite, if it's boundless, if we're gonna bring it into the world, it's gonna electrocute, it's gonna cause the entire world to, the entire cosmos to explode. Why did this light remain higher than the creation? Because the creation can't handle it. Creations are finite, this is infinite. So what does the Abirster do? He makes very simple. He comes up with an amazing idea, and that's the beard. What's the beard? The beard or these, you can draw down this infinite transcendental light, but it's coming through tiny, tiny little channels, narrow. Now you understand something, these little ears have within them infinite power, infinite light, much more than the entire name Yudke Vavke, much more than all the ten sefirot, because they're already after God contracted His light to the creation. This is the infinite light, but it's contracted in a way that the creation should be able to handle it. It must change. It must diminish. It must compress itself in a manner that it shouldn't destroy us when it's coming in. But on the other hand, it's the real, real, real power. That's by the way, by the way, we're going to be learning a few weeks from now, we're going to be learning that there's someone called a Nazir. A, a Nazir is a Nazirite who, who, and one of the things is he has to let his hair grow long. And his whole kedusha is in his hair. And we know, from, for instance, Shimshon HaGibar, Shimshon, Samson, the, right? he, his power was in his hair. Once they cut his hair, he lost all its power. Why? When a Nazir does, what makes a Nazir so holy? When a Nazir makes him, says he takes upon himself Naziris, he rises himself up above the ten sephirot and he plugs his soul into this infinite place of the hair. He connects to the hair. That's why his kedushah is in his hair. Gadol Godal uh, Pera, he has to let us hear. His here is connecting to God's here, the thirteen attributes of mercy, and this high, high place. And that's why Shimshon Agibo was so powerful. He had a godly power. It was a power that's infinite, but it has to come through here. But since it's coming through here, it still has. It still it, it has changed. The fact that it's squeezing itself through from an infinite place through here is already a change. That's the chiddush of... That's true about all the 12 attributes of the 13 attributes of mercy. But the, th- the seventh one, the Zohar says, tikkun veEmes. the tikkun Emes is the part of the beard that's not here. And that's the two cheekbones over here. In the place of the face... That's why if you take a look at a person at a time when they're experiencing exhilarating joy when they experience this great new illumination of idea it says, the Gemara says that once Rabbi Avuhu who was one of the sages he discovered a new Ticefta and the Chacham saw him and they saw his face was shining with light And and they were wondering why such simcha? And then they and and it's and it's and then they and they found out that it was mitzvah, mitzvah, He found a new teisefta, a new bris that he never knew before, and it gave him such brilliant. And you can see in the Gemara says, "Chachmas Adam toirpanav." The wisdom of a person illuminates the face. Which part of the face? By the cheeks, especially by a tzaddik. If anybody ever saw a real tzaddik when he's experiencing a dvekus, it sh- literally shines light from the cheeks, shining light. That's Moshe Rabbeinu. Tikkun the MS. The, that comes through in the letters of the Torah. The letters of the Torah are drawn from the Tikkun of the Emes. It's the pure essence of infinite, deepest, innermost of the Eberster himself being translated down here, not through the hair of the beard. Just pure as is, Emes. And that gives us the connection to the essence of God, from from our essence to the essence of the Ebishter. And that beauty we have in the Sefer Torah. May we merit that uh, our Torah that we wrote now, which we're going to finish, we haven't finished it yet, which is going to be finished on Wednesday, Be'ezus Hashem. May it bring so much light and such deep connection between Yisrael, Avim Shamayim, between the Jewish people and their Father in Heaven, and may it be Tamid As the holy B'al Shem Tov said in the year 1752, that the letters of the Torah stand in front of God all the time to evoke and to draw forth goodwill, Tamid, to nullify negative decrees. And if there has been any 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 leftover negativity in anywhere in the entire system, it should wipe away all negativity and it should just bring only bracha and mazel and healing and refua and ashiris, wealth, and children for those who need children, and only, 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 only blessings, all the blessings possible. And we should merit the ultimate blessing, the coming of Mashiach Amenu, may it be now, now, now. As she as how how she Oh, yo, 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 Come and be here.